Good morning, Ralph. Good morning. Can you let all of our listeners know your name and when you lived in Dana? <laughs> well, uh, I went there, when did I go there? June, I guess, of 1973. Mm-hmm. And I left there uh, about June or July, I guess, in uh, 1976. Uh-huh. Where were you before yeah. that? What's that? Where were you before Dana? In Nanaimo. Okay. Now I wound up in Dana. Um, a, a guy that I'd met that was a war vet uh, with the Navy, and he had gone to the RCMP. And he was the RCMP detachment commander in Nanaimo. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of my military training that I had in communications, um, long-range stuff and satellite stuff and you name it, anyway. So he had approached me and he says, Ralph, he says, why don't you come over to the RCMP? Well, he bugged the daylights out of me for probably, oh, probably about two years, I guess, maybe three years. Uh-huh. And then uh, finally I said, okay, I'll do this. So then I turned around and said, uh, so I went through all the, all the, paraphernalia with the RCMP, the medical, the whole nine yards, everything. And so basically, they had, uh, so he phoned me up one day and he said, Ralph, you're going to have to come down to the detachment here. This would have been probably in about May, I think. You've got to come down here and, and we need a couple signatures of it because we cannot access your military records because of your security clearance, which was pretty high. Mm-hmm. So uh, I said, okay. So I went down. This was on a Monday morning. I go down and sign whatever I got to sign. <clears throat> so they sent that to Ottawa, and the next day I got posting to Saskatchewan. They, they fired me off into the middle of Saskatchewan, figured the RCMP would forget about me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which they didn't, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, but I had three real good years in Dana. Uh-huh. I had three real good years. Do you remember the street you lived on? No, I know where I lived. If you were to go come in on the main entrance and go straight up the main entrance into the married quarters and you come to that T. Yes. So if you made a right-hand turn and you go about, I don't know, 100 feet maybe, and then you make a, a left-hand turn and that goes into a loop uh-huh. up in there, and I was up in there. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so... I can't remember the name of the street or what it was, but anyway, yeah. And were you there with your family at the time? Oh, yeah. What, yeah. what were their names? Uh, Lynn and Troy, and they were just little. Mm-hmm. When I moved there, Lynn would have been three, and Troy would have been, uh, what would he have been, about six months old, I guess. Okay. Yeah, and uh, when we left there, Lynn was, had finished grade one, and and we went to uh, Barry and went to Base Borden from there. Okay. So I was only in Base Borden about six months, and then I went to Burroughs Corporation with computers. Do you remember any of your neighbors' names or coworkers' names? Oh, the, the only one I can remember. Uh, there was, um, oh, well, the guys I was with, Larry Furtick, he's in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Brown, 
he's here in Ridge or someplace, I think. Um, yeah, who's the other one? There's another guy. What the hell is his name? Yeah. And yeah, so that was, that was there was only four. I worked in the headquarters building in the communication detachment. Uh huh. What did your job entail? Uh, communications. Uh huh. And we looked after all that stuff. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was a pretty high, highly sensitive area. Okay. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that the, some of the guys on the base were working for farmers. And probably how this came about was, and you wouldn't know this probably, but back in the early 70s, there was a place called Wounded Knee in North Dakota. Uh-huh. And uh, the Indians down there had basically caused a, a huge uprising down there. And uh, the Canadian government was, and just almost every armory in Canada had been broken into with ammunition stolen, weapons had been stolen, and all this kind of stuff. This was, so anyway, when I get transferred to the Saskatchewan, and then all of a sudden this RCMP guy shows up at my office door, and he says, are you guys okay? He says, yeah, we're fine. Well, he'd done this about two weeks in a row, and then finally I said to him, so he did not know what I knew mm-hmm. about the armories and about the rest of the stuff. But the office that I was in was a pretty high, highly sensitive office. Mm-hmm. And because uh, of all the top secret stuff. Anyway, he turned around and uh, I think after the second or third time he'd come, he would show up once or twice a week. So I said, why don't you and I go around and we're going to go talk. And he didn't, uh, he didn't know what I knew. Mm-hmm. I said, why don't we go around and talk to all the farmers about mm-hmm. five miles in diameter around this base? Mm-hmm. I said, if there's going to be any kind of a disruption in the area, those guys are going to know about it. Mm-hmm. They will know about it. So I went and I was seeing all these farmers with this Mountie. And uh, I said, hey, you guys come on up to the basin for happy hour. Come on mm-hmm. up there and have a happy hour <laughs> on a Friday night. We'd love to have you up there. So a few of them started to do that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a few of them. Uh, there was a couple there that uh, the wives had worked up at uh, the hospital at Waka Lake, and my wife worked up there. She was a nurse up there. So we got to know a couple of these farmers that way, and also we had them there curling at the curling rink mm-hmm. uh, a couple times a week mm-hmm. as well. So we got to know quite a few of the farmers around there. Yeah. And... Uh, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. That's an yeah. interesting story. Um, they used to have a winter carnival there. Uh huh. Did you ever go to? The, did you participate in the winter carnival? What I remember about the winter carnival is the different colors. There was white, blue, red, and green, and then the the snow forts, the ice forts, and yeah. then there was games that um, people played. What do you remember? Well, I remember that in the area that I lived, they had me as the the, the particular ward mascot, and they had me in a uh, devil's outfit, and I had a big, and for the winter, I had to grow a big mustache, so I had this big, long, big handlebar mustache, uh-huh. and uh, so then they made a, uh, like, took a piece of 
pipe or whatever, stainless, stainless steel. You put three prongs on it for the devil. Mm-hmm. One of the women had made a little hat with, it, <laughs> with some prongs on the top as a devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun there. So, and then the winter carnival. I uh, then. Uh, it's 1975, Winnipeg was celebrating her 100th birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this would have been about March, I think it was March or April. And the base commander, a guy by the name of Rick Kirby, and uh, I think he was a commander at the time. Anyway, there's a kind of a little old group meeting on, on this Friday morning, and Thursday night there's a a retirement dinner and banquet for one of the guys who was leaving. So that was all kinds of fun. So Friday morning, everybody's got a head like a football. Mm-hmm. So he says, we got to do something for participation weekends. I got a great idea. So why don't we jump on a bunch of bikes and ride down to Winnipeg and celebrate Winnipeg's 100th birthday with Stephen Juba, the good Ukrainian guy, and have lots of fun. Mm-hmm. So after the meeting was over, and now we're about 11 o'clock, he strolls down to my office, knocks on the door, and he says, you got a minute? I said, yeah. He comes in. He says, you were serious, weren't you? <laughs> I said, well, I've given us some thought. I said, if we get some sponsorship, we can do this. Mm-hmm. He's here out to lunch. Mm-hmm. I thought, just leave it with me. He says, yeah, you go ahead and do it. So I turn around, and I had a, the last brewery in Saskatoon had a, had a club room. Mm-hmm. If you were a member of that, you could go there. And I was a member of the Bass Brewery one in Edmonton, so that's how I wound up with a membership to the one in Saskatoon. So I used to stop in there once in a while. And I got to know those guys, so I went in and I said, uh, we need some sponsorship. And uh, this is for what? And I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Including Saskatoon and all the towns from Saskatoon to Winnipeg, I'm going to get them all to do up a, a happy birthday plaque or some kind of a memorable thing for the city of Winnipeg's 100th birthday. And I said, I'm going to put 10 guys on bikes, and they're going to ride 100 miles a day and take five days to get down to Winnipeg, and we'll present all these plaques and stuff from all the communities along the hill and all the way down there and uh, present them to the city of Winnipeg. So this guy on the bat says, are you for real? <laughs> yeah. So they sponsored us, and I went to CCM for the bikes, and they did up uh, 10 bikes, and they took the back sprocket out of that wheel and redesigned it so these bikes would average 50 miles an hour. Oh. They would move. So you they even had to find, you even had to get the bikes. What's that? You even had to get the bikes, like fundraise for the so, bikes. Yeah, yeah so CCM, they did not exactly donate the bikes to us, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, we managed to get the, uh, the Canex to virtually kind of get involved. And, uh, and this was in 1975. Mm-hmm. These bikes were, at that time, $1,100 a bike. Wow. They're expensive. So we managed to get those bikes from CCM for $150 a bike. <laughs> wow. They had to get something out of it. So they, they said, okay, 
we'll be happy if we get $150 bike out of this. So everybody bought their bike. So these guys, I had these guys training and riding bike every day. They'd go, go off the base, go up the highway, <laughs> and to that slough up there, about five miles up. They do about a five to ten mile ride every morning. Mm-hmm. And they did that every friggin' morning. And I said, you guys do not run. You know, you like to jog with. No, nope, you're using different muscles when you're riding the bike than to, to jogging. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. So one of them did, and it just sort of crippled him. He was laid up for about a week with uh, torn muscles and all the rest of it. So anyway, got these guys all trained, and, and then we took uh, five days and went uh, all the way down to Winnipeg and stopped at all these little towns and all these little places. And of course, the guys were a little bit upset because they, they had to take their dress uniform with them because every one of these towns that we stopped at night they would have a big dinner for us and a big celebration and they'd present one of our riders with their plaque that that's going to be given to the city of Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So then when we pulled into Winnipeg, <laughs> we are 25 miles out at this truck stop and uh, this uh, city cop shows up on a motorcycle. Our, the plan was we were going to hit City Hall at 2.30 in the afternoon and uh, so it's about 25 miles straight in on Porter Avenue, and uh, I go with Porter's anyway. So he says, uh, we're going to run out of time here. I said, we're not going to run out of time. If you can block those intersections, we don't have to stop at the intersection. We go straight on through. <laughs> These guys are going to, they'll do that in 20 minutes, a half hour max. He said, are you out of your mind? I said, no, they can do that easy. So we started off, and he got on the radio. They had to bring out a whole bunch more cops to block off intersections. So we had a clear run all the way into City Hall. Uh-huh. And uh, so we got there and did all the presentations. A lot of fun. <laughs> and then I found out it was the first 10-speed bike team in North America. That time. Wow. First one. Do you have pictures and, from that time? or? No, I, I used yeah. to have years ago, and then I, yeah, I don't know where they went. Oh. Uh, I have no idea. My daughter may have know where they are, because well, my first wife and I split, so all of that stuff probably stayed with her, so I don't know. Do you remember the names of any other people who rode? Yeah, my name is Sam Stewart. Okay. Pat Hope. Yeah, my name is Ellis. We called him Lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, who's some of the other guys? God, I have to. Yeah, I can't remember. Was there a favorite town uh, you stopped in? What's that? Was there a favorite town you stopped in? The towns we stopped in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, all the way around, yeah. Uh, Did you have a favorite? Or a memorable oh, one? So we had a lot of fun in Mendoza. Okay. And these guys, these guys took those bikes, and they could go for just about a whole city block with the front wheel straight up in the air. And what they would do, and they practiced this and practiced it and practiced it, uh, right in front of the rec center and uh, from the main gate all the way down at the base there, mm-hmm. to one straight shot, and they would turn around and they would put tennis balls down on the ground so they would ride their bike 
and get it in, get, pick up the tennis ball. And then they'd pass this tennis ball, they'd throw the tennis ball in between the guys. Oh. It was quite the performance. It was quite, it, it was on TV. It was quite the performance to watch these guys. Yeah, you guys must have got a lot of press attention. Oh, it was, yeah. It turned out, there was, it started off with 10, and it wound up, there was only eight. Mm. Two guys, I can't remember, dropped out. There was eight guys that did the actual ride. Mm. Yeah, I think it was eight. Might have been 10, I guess. Maybe it was 10. Mm. Anyway, it was quite the, quite the deal. Then go down the highway there, side by side, and I had a, uh, a bus that, uh, like, you know, like a small school bus, whatever you want to call it, about 20 passengers. Mm-hmm. So we had that little cleaned out and had a little shop back there for the bikes. And then we had a, also a, a van type unit with seats in it. So we could ride in, but yeah, we had it es- escorted and the cops would be escorting us half the time. It was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. It's quite the deal. Probably saw a lot of beautiful scenery. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we stopped in all the major towns, all the towns, all the way. If you take a look at the map, look at the, the towns all the way down there. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Took five days, they did 100 miles a day. And did everyone know that you guys were from Dana? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had, uh, and it was funny because we had the CCM, they had big banners that we put down the side of the bus. CCM, good sports. And, the bats and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Pretty mm-hmm. neat. Had a good time in Dan. Yeah. Yeah, you said it was the best posting of your 21 years of service? Yeah. Yeah, it was a good posting. Mm-hmm. It was a good posting. Yeah. yeah. Like you, as you well know, the whole base is <laughs> one playground for kids, right? Yeah. They can go anywhere, anywhere, mm-hmm. and yeah, they were, and, 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 and feel safe, you know, there was no, no possible, you know, something that's not going to be safe, and it was all safe, no matter where they went, on that base, mm-hmm. and it was pretty cool. So how did you wind up there, the, what did your dad do? A uh, radar operator. Okay, now he was up in the tower, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when I mentioned UFOs, this, uh, this was kind of, uh, my daughter, I said to her, I was talking to you, and I said, I, just, uh, I mentioned that these kids, they said, and I had pictures of, of UFOs. Oh, you and, did? You do? Yeah, I had pictures of UFOs. I had some slides, and I gave them to the base manager. He was going to a conference in Chicago, and uh, so I said, here, take these with you. I had about half a dozen. What had happened, it was in the fall of the year, and uh, the guy at the paddle, him and I had gone down to the little settlement of Dana itself, and there was a little store there. We'd gone down there to get some, the girls were doing dill pickles and stuff. And we went down there to get some fresh garlic and dill and stuff like that, because they'd run out. So we go down there, and when we were down there, we said, what the hell is that? And here there's a UFO sitting between the base and where we are at the little village. This thing is sitting in midair. Really? What the hell? And we'd, we'd seen them. They'd, they'd fly by. And the kids would sit and watch them on that embankment that goes down into the football field and the baseball diamond there. Mm-hmm. So they'd sit on top of that. Hill and they'd watch them in the summertime. 
So anyway, I took these pictures, and uh, I was going to the Saskatoon airport to tell them there's one that's coming in their direction, and they couldn't pick it up. And our radar towers, they could not pick it up either. Mm. They could not pick up that UFO. Mm. And it was, uh, yeah, that was the closest we had under the ground. It wasn't that high up. What did it look like? Oh, it was like a great big, I don't know, like a, like a, well, like a flying saucer, I guess. There was a UFO at Yorkton. It landed on the ground in a farmer's field about uh, 20 miles west of Yorkton. Mm-hmm. And uh, this farmer turned around and went into the house and he phoned the RCMP. The RCMP phoned the guys on the base and they came out. And where they went over to where this UFO had landed and you could see where the burn marks and stuff where this thing had landed mm-hmm. in the field. Not, not an unusual thing, UFOs in that area. The one that you saw, did it make a noise or have lights? Uh, it had lights, but we couldn't hear it. Mm. Couldn't hear it. And yeah, did, it was pretty interesting. Did it just disappear? It, well, yeah, he disappeared out of sight because he was headed, headed over towards Saskatoon. Mm. Yeah, it was quite interesting. Oh, yeah. Quite interesting. Yeah, so how long have you been up in Cold Lake? Uh, about 20 years. Okay, cool. Good for you. Uh, Ralph, do you remember your first or last day in Dana? (sighs) My first day was, well, I pulled onto the base, went to the housing office and got keys to my my unit. Yeah. And uh, I was staying in Saskatoon at a hotel on... uh, I think it was eighth on your way in. I was staying there for a week while we got moved in, and yeah. And uh, my last day was easy. Movers, movers showed up, rode everyone up, and gone. <laughs> yeah. Did Did your family go off the base a lot? Yeah, we used to do a lot of shopping in Saskatoon and in PA. Mm-hmm. Go to Prince Albert once in a while. Did lots of shopping in uh, Saskatoon, of course. Yeah. Were you ever in Bruno? What's that? Did you ever visit Bruno? Oh, all the time. They were in Bruno and Humboldt a lot. We used to go to Humboldt and do lots of shopping over in Humboldt, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. have and, you... And, oh, go ahead. Humboldt was a real neat spot. In fact, I've been in Humboldt. I was there about a year ago. What I do right now is I've, I've, I can't. I don't like this retirement stuff. I retired twice, and I'm part of the emergency response team for uh, train derailments and train wrecks in Western Canada. Oh. Well, well, let's put it this way: Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Eastern BC. Uh-huh. So I've been over to Humboldt several times mm. in the last few years. So. Yeah, that sounds like that a fascinating job. What's that? That sounds like a fascinating job. Because <laughs> <laughs> we take all the heavy equipment in. For them to re-rail the trains and, or take them and cut them up and move them up away. Have you driven yeah. past Dana since it's closed? Uh, no, I have not. Hmm. No. Okay. I've, I've been to the 39-mile corner a couple of times, mm-hmm. but I haven't, uh, haven't gone north on Highway 2 there to the base. Okay. 
And I like to ask um, I like to ask everyone if there's a food, a song, a book, or a TV show that reminds them of Dana. <laughs> uh, well, because I used to uh, everybody. Well, if you're a hunter, you always had you always had deer meat or elk meat, or, right? So I'd take the meat uh, into the uh, into an abattoir in Saskatoon, and they'd make up uh, uh, garlic sausage for me and uh, all this kind of stuff, and salami, and all out of wild meat. My sister was living in Saskatoon, living in Edmonton at the time. She was married to a guy in the military who was a pharmacist. And Doreen says, I will never, ever eat, ever eat wild meat. Well, I gave her a couple of rolls of the salami. And she said, oh, this is outstanding. I, go, yeah, I haven't made, I haven't made, especially for myself. For, yeah. She had no idea that she was eating deer meat. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, yeah, I'm just, of course, those farmers in that area are always, they always had a kitchen full of pies, right? Oh. So they were always, always making pies and stuff like that. So I got to know quite a few of the farmers around there. Yeah. It was good. It was good. Lots of fun. Yeah. yeah in the wintertime, they come on base and curled. In the summer, we played a little ball. Mm. We hosted a, a, ball, a Saskatchewan ball tournament for, well, I won't call it Saskatchewan. I guess it was for the area. Yeah, it was, because we had guys up there from Regina. We had guys from Saskatoon. We had a couple teams from Prince Albert. We had teams from all over Saskatchewan. We held a big ball tournament mm -hmm. for a weekend. There were guys coming on campers. And we tried to house them as much as we could, but it was a lot of fun. And that was right on base, the tournament? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, right mm -hmm. on base. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. And, of course, lots of curling going on. There's always curling on going to winter. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it was cool. Before we go, is there any other memory or story you wanted to share? You don't got enough time. <laughs> <laughs> I could listen to them forever. <laughs> I got lots of good stories of that place. A lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some pretty good times. Mm hmm Pretty good times. Yeah, I would, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's an experience that uh, you never really forget. Mm -hmm. And the things that I got involved in, like the winter carnival type thing, and, and, uh, and that bike team, that was something again. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that was quite the deal. <laughs> quite the deal. Well, I appreciate you sharing those stories today. Well, nice talking to you, for sure. So I'll save your, I'll save your phone number in my phone here. Oh yes, okay. And uh, hopefully we'll get another chance to yak again for sure. Okay. And you ever get you ever get down this way, please give me a call. Yeah, try and touch base with Lynn. She's got a lot more. She she, and I'm pretty sure she keeps in contact with some of the kids that she was in school with. Okay, yeah, uh, I'll do that. With, but that she grew up with her. She didn't grow up. She left here after grade one. So, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure she's still kept in contact with some of these people. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, thanks for talking with us today. What's that? Thanks for talking with us today. Oh yeah, love it, love it. Okay, take care, and you have yourself a good weekend. It's almost Friday.
Yes, thank you. You too, Ralph. Okay, okay. Bye. Bye now. Bye.